0: The sun is shining and all of my favorite plant friends are popping up right now. Speaking of plants, what are you growing this year? Do you know? Do you know what kind of medicine will be in your garden or are you still trying to figure it out? totally okay if you're still trying to figure it out. We're all growing and learning on this journey, right? But if you want some help, I do have a family medicine garden guides. It's basically 10 essential herbs that I feel like every mom needs to know and grow in their yard. I give you some growing tips and ways that you can use it as medicine. And it's totally free. So if you want that, I'm going to pop a link in the show notes here for you to grab it and give Get your hands digging in the dirt and growing incredible medicine for you and your family. Growing your own medicine not only feels amazing to just hang out in the garden with, it is empowering as all Get out, it's freeing, it's sustainable, it's self sufficient, and you can save a heck of a lot of money. (laughs) And who doesn't want to do that, right? So, in today's episode, it's actually part two of a two part series where I talk about some of my absolute must have medicinal herbs for your herb garden. Happy gardening, friends. Welcome to The Herbalist's Path, where we're on a mission to inspire a movement where there's an herbalist in every home, again, with your host, clinical herbalist Melissa Mutterspa. Hello, fellow herbalists. Do you grow your own herbs? Do you have your own medicinal herb garden? Or maybe you're wondering what herbs you should have in your medicinal herb garden. Good news! Today I'm going to share with you five must-have herbs for a medicinal herb garden. And if you didn't tune into to the last episode, I shared five others. And the reality is... <laughs> It's hard to stop at even just 10. And I wanted to give it to you in little bites so that, you know, you didn't get bored or you could just absorb the the podcast episode in a quick amount of time if you're driving to the grocery store or whatever. But yeah, it's such an empowering thing to be able to grow your own medicine and to be able to learn to make your own medicine and teach your kids about growing your own medicine because we humans have been doing this for thousands upon thousands of years. We've been using plants as medicine, and we've been doing it in in so many great ways so you know if you're not already growing yours or even if you are I really encourage you to stay tuned throughout this episode and I'll share five more of my favorites and why they're my favorites and how you can grow them and why you may want to fall in love with them too. The first herb I wanna talk about is comfrey. And I've actually been using fresh comfrey leaf a lot over the past couple of days. Comfrey is a great herb to have in your garden because it, one, it makes a great fertilizer for the rest of your garden. You can put it into compost or make a compost tea with it. And it's gonna really, really do some amazing work to nourish your soil which is lovely. But as far as medicinal properties go, I think comfrey is quite a bit of a superhero. So it's really, really wonderful for speeding the healing of bruises, like really bad bruises or sprains and strains. I've had a lot of people come to me with a sprained ankle Oftentimes they're waitresses or bartenders and they're like, oh my gosh, I can't. I have to fix this as soon as possible. And I give them a little comfrey oil with a little bit of Arnica and they are better so fast that their minds are not only blown, their doctor's minds are blown as well. Um, it's really, really powerful in that way for sprains and strains and for healing broken bones. And it's so powerful that you do want to be really, really cautious as, um, Comfrey, you can make like this poultice out of it. So you like mash up the leaf and just put it on the injured area. But it is so good at speeding the healing process that if your bones are not set back into place and ready for the healing process, you do not want to use comfrey. It can set it in the place that you don't want it to. So it's really important to know the right time and place and use for your herbs and your plants. Um, You know, speaking of this, I said I've been using comfrey a lot in the past couple days, my partner uh, just recently gashed his thumb open on the paper cutter, and it was a really deep wound, and um, he was squirting blood all over the place. And and I used comfrey in the healing process, but first what I did, I I had yarrow around, and yarrow is really good. It's great to grow in your your garden too, but I'm not talking about it today, except for in this year's story. Um, Yarrow is really good for stopping bleeding. Um, So immediately I made a tea bag and had it nice and moistened to activate the yarrow properties and put it on the wound to stop the bleeding really fast. Um, Yarrow is also a good wound healer as well. And so I did that. Several hours went by, and it was time. It was almost bedtime, but I decided that we would use some echinacea and plantain tinctures that I diluted in water with a little tea tree oil. And I used a tincture dropper to wash out the wound. Also, the echinacea has antimicrobial and antibacterial properties. I talk a bit in the previous episode about that. And the plantain is a great wound healer and does a phenomenal job of drawing out infection. So I made it a point to make sure that those herbs were on board of this big wound before I decided to utilize comfrey in this case. It was a pretty big one and we were wavering as to whether or not we would be going to get stitches and you know some of you may definitely want to go get stitches in this in this case but I've got a bit of practice with the herbs and I really just knew it would help. So I used some butterfly bandages to bring the skin together. And then I did a little comfrey poultice on top. And the next day, the way his skin was beginning to come together was truly amazing. And it just made me so grateful that I have chosen this herbalist path. Just the empowering feeling of knowing that, you know, When my partner and my family needs it, I can come to a situation with plants. I definitely use the hospital when necessary, so I don't want to put that in any of your brains. I do think that there is a lot of wonderful things in our medical system today, but I also think that there's a lot we can do by using plants as medicine. Anyways, I came here to talk to you about what herbs you should grow that was a little side story there but it just goes to know the power of having comfrey in your garden because it also has these beautiful little purple flowers that attract all of the happy bugs it's really rich in this constituent called allantoin which is wonderful for helping to repair damaged skin cells and skin tissue so Um, It might even be lovely in a salve or in some type of skin cream or something like that to just promote healthy skin cell regeneration. Comfrey is really, really easy to grow. Um, It will grow prolifically, so make sure that where you choose to plant your comfrey is where you want to keep your comfrey, Um, or it may be stubborn and be like, no, I'm staying here anyways. (laughs) You can grow your comfrey from seed, you can grow it from cuttings or root cuttings. Um, Ideally, you plant them about three feet apart. It's such a prolific plant that you can gather and harvest comfrey repeatedly throughout the season and it will keep coming back for you you're going to get the most of its medicinal healing properties just as the flowers are beginning to emerge all of that energy is coming up to the top of the plant and with that energy is the good medicine as well So comfrey is just really, really lovely to have around. And again, don't forget that you can use it as compost or fertilizer for your garden. And it's going to keep all your beneficial pollinators really happy in your garden. So lovely plant to have around. Ooh, it's good for your chickens too. If you have chickens around, they're going to love it. So another herb I love to grow in my garden is called catnip. And I'm sure those of you who have cats as pets may be like, Catnip, what? Um, Yes, your cat's going to love you forever if you grow it. One thing that I find funny about Catnip to tell people is that Catnip is actually a calming, nerving for we humans. It actually does the opposite of what it does for the cats, for us. It is soothing for our nervous system. It's particularly amazing for the young kiddos too. And it's in the mint family. It's a lot like lemon balm in many ways, which is a plant I talked about in the last episode about gardening herbs. It's a great, great, great plant. It's also a carminative, so it's going to be really good for the tummy upset and gassiness and bloating, things like that. It's quite bitter, so it's going to promote the flow of digestive juices. It is a wonderful friend to have around in cases of fever. It's a diaphoretic herb, which means that it promotes the flow of sweat, which is one of our body's ways of releasing heat during times of fever. And it supports your body during times of fever instead of suppressing that fever, which is really what you want to do ultimately, because the fever is a, a really, really beneficial um, Part of your immune system. Anyways, you can use catnip. It will help to lower the fever if that is what your goal is. It will also help to keep kiddos calm during their times of being sick if you need a little help there. And I really love to use catnip as a bug spray. So I've got a recipe. If you head over to herbalistpath.com, there's a download for a bunch of these herbs I'm talking about right now. And I share a recipe for the herbs that we are going over. And I share my catnip bug spray recipe in there. Um, It's pretty cool. There's this constituent in catnip called Neptines, and they have been proven to be ten times more effective than DEET, which I find to be pretty neat. Anyways, catnip, yep, it's in the mint family, so it's gonna have those opposite leaves growing out from it and a square stem, which is a common thing you'll find amongst mints. It can be found in the wild. It does like to grow like on the edges of fields or on stream banks. Um, It can grow pretty well in drier soils on the edge of fields. If you're growing it in your garden, your catnip really does appreciate a lot of sun with a well-draining fertile soil. Ideally, you're going to grow this plant for about two to three years is where you're going to get the most of its medicinal potency, and then it kind of is like, hey, I'm tired. Can you plant a new me and, you know, um, regenerate it, um, catnip is going to be really nice for attracting the good bugs it's a a wonderful aromatic plant Um, and it also does a great job at repelling the bad bugs mosquitoes in particular it works wonders so you know you might want to consider if you have an outdoor seating area that you really love to be in in the summertime but the mosquitoes drive you bonkers you might want to grow some catnip and maybe even some lemon balm around there it'll make your whole area smell really nice and it can be really a good friend for calendula or echinacea because it's going to repel the bad guys that those two plants might be susceptible to so think about putting it around the borders of various beds in your garden Um, like lemon balm when you go to harvest your catnip you want to do it just as it's getting into flowering stage so all of that medicinal goodness is going up to the top and you're going to harvest it and leave about six to eight inches left so that it will regenerate for you and bring you more good medicine. So speaking of good medicine, let's talk elder. I know, I know, you know of elderberry. Your father smelt of elderberries. Uh, Elder is known as the medicine chest of the country, people. That is a quote by Charlemagne, who said, every home must have an elder tree to be used as a medicine chest when needed. And it's so true, because while the berries kind of claim all of the fame this day and age for their incredible antiviral properties, which are indeed incredible, um, the flowers make really great Medicine as well. They're great to ease a cough. They are an antispasmodic for that coughing as well. They are also a diaphoretic, so they're going to promote the sweating or releasing of heat from the body. It helps to reduce heat and inflammation in mucosal tissues and especially when, like, sinus or lung congestion is happening due to hay fever or allergies or other minor cough situations. And you can make a lovely tea out of the flowers. You can make a nice cordial. Um, You don't want to harvest all your flowers right away because then you're not going to get berries later, right? And you want to leave some of the berries for the good birds around too. So keep that in mind. You can also use the leaves as medicine. You can make a nice oil out of the younger leaves of the elder shrubbery and you can use that as a wound healer which is lovely. Elder is actually kind of known as the guardian of your garden and it's said that the elder mother lives under the elder shrubbery and hosts the gateway to the fairy world and will look over and protect your garden Especially if you remember to give offerings to her in respect and love and appreciation for the good medicine she grows and the wonderful ways in which she protects you and your garden. So... They're pretty darn easy to grow as well so they do like a really rich moist soil that's going to be well drained um, can tolerate a lot of different growing conditions around oregon you can see elder shrubberies all along the countryside and right now they're just popping with their beautiful creamy white flower umbel heads it's really lovely to see um take a quick pause to show some love and gratitude to our sponsors of the herbalist path podcast who make this show possible for me and possible for you too so here it goes i love this time of year It's spring, the sun is shining, and all of our beautiful plant friends are popping up. It's amazing. Unless, of course, you're one of the millions of people who suffer from seasonal allergies. You know, the itchy, watery eyes, the sneezing and wheezing that's straight miserable. Thankfully, there are some amazing herbs that can help you with all of that. Just like the herbs inside of kick Ask Allergy from Wish Garden Herbs, one of my absolute favorite herbal companies out there. kick Ask Allergy, yes, I said ask without the K at the end. Anyways, this formula has Yerbasanta, Nettles, Echinacea for that immune support, and Orange Peels, all which come together to help dry up those excessive mucosal secretions. Yep, I'm talking about the sniffles and the stuffy nose, the watery eyes, and all that jazz. This blend also acts as a great expectorant and can help ease the swelling and inflammation in those mucosal tissues. It is a top go-to for seasonal allergies. And get this, they combine all those beautiful herbs with glycerin, so it actually tastes pretty darn good. Or should I say it tastes kick-ass without the K at the end. Anyways, if allergy season is miserable for you and you want a natural remedy that actually works for those itchy eyes and being all sneezy and wheezy, you have got to check out Wish Garden Herbs kick Ask Allergy. And for those of you with the little kiddos, no sweat, they've got a kick-it allergy too. And you pregnant mamas you don't have to suffer either. They've got a kick-ass allergy formula just for you. So head over to wishgardenherbs.com or check out the link in the show notes and go grab yourself some kick-ass allergy so you can enjoy spring again. (laughs) The deer and the pests don't really like elder shrubberies, so that's another reason you might want to keep them on the outer borders of your garden just to kind of repel the deer from eating all of your goodies. Um, They can be super prolific and will begin producing fruit in the first year they are planted if they're planted with the right amounts of love and then they'll keep growing more and more new canes every year and the older canes will start producing less fruit but you can prune them back in the winter so that the younger ones can grow and really do their thing. Ideally, they've got some good sun too, but it can definitely thrive in shady areas as well. So yeah, grow yourself some elder, have yourself an elder shrubbery. It's totally worth it. So another herb I love to grow in the garden is a very common culinary herb for us, Um, a really, really fantastic one that is not only great as a culinary herb, but is also um, great as medicine. So it's fennel. And fennel is really nice. It's what's known as a galactagogue herb, which just means that it promotes the flow of milk. Um, If you are a mother nursing a new baby, fennel can be really, really helpful with your milk flow. It's also amazing for the digestive system Um, It is carminative, so it's going to ease the gassiness and bloating and tummy upset. It's also really cooling and soothing. So it's got some great anti-inflammatory properties. It can be really, really helpful for colicky babies too. And sometimes the kiddos are really going to love it for these situations because it has just that little bit of sweetness to it. I really love love fennel for so many reasons it's great to freshen the breath it's got some bitter properties to it to get your digestive juices flowing i used it as an eye wash when my baby girl had conjunctivitis right in her like first two weeks of life i used it with chamomile and i had a little bit of golden seal as well and made a little eye wash for her precious little eyes and it cleared it up really really quickly which is just absolutely lovely. And you can also use fennel as a diuretic. Um, so it's going to promote the flow of urine, which is going to help you release, um, excess water or swelling or edema in the body, which can be really, really helpful. Um, and it's delicious. It's really, really wonderful in your food. It's rich in calcium. It's rich in iron, potassium, vitamins A and D. It's pretty darn easy to grow. It likes very rich and moist soil with full sun um it's ideally it's happiest in like zones three to ten i do want to raise caution for you um don't grow your fennel near your dill because cross-pollination will happen and then your dill is gonna taste fennely and your fennel is gonna taste dilly and nobody wants dilly fennel or dill, right? um so just make sure that you keep those two away from each other um you can sow the seeds in the springtime as soon as the soil begins to warm up um if you soak your seeds for a day or two before sowing them you're going to get a better germination rate that way um And once you get your fennel plants sprouting, you're gonna wanna make sure you thin them out to 12 to 18 inches apart. Once they get about half a foot high and once it's an established fennel plant you really don't have much else to do from there it might like a little bit of fertilizer every once in a while but other than that pretty easy you'll start seeing flowers about 90 days after planting and then you can harvest and dry the seeds once the flowers have gone to seed you can pretty much like gather the whole umbel off of there and put it into a brown paper bag and shake the seeds off that way. Super duper easy. And since I was talking about not growing fennel next to dill and not having fennely dill or dilly fennel, why don't we talk about dill next? Another great culinary herb that is lovely to have in your garden it's going to produce a much different flavor if you eat a lot of pickles you likely love dill dill is another great herb for the digestive system if you like learning about herbs for the digestive system i have a pretty cool course where we go into great depth and you learn a lot about how the digestive system works and then Ultimately, how to use herbs for your digestive system, which can be really, really powerful because oftentimes the root of most disease begins in the gut. So, gotta take care of it, right? Anyways, dill, it's yummy. You want to put it in your tummy because it's also a great carminative. So it's going to ease that gassiness and bloating and tummy upset. The flavor of it can help decrease your desire to want to take in more salt all the time. Dill is really nice to relax the smooth muscles of your intestines. It can be really nice to freshen your breath if you're going to chew some dill seeds. That can be a lovely thing if you're heading into a meeting or around people when you don't have to wear a mask. Um, Yeah, saving them from your foul breath can be pretty nice. Ooh, and one thing I learned when I was doing some research for this episode is that dill seeds are super rich in calcium. Like you can take a tablespoon of dill seed and get about a hundred milligrams of calcium, which is more than a third of a cup of skim milk. I don't care for milk. And, um, nice to know that I can get some calcium from this amazing plant friend. And growing dill is also quite easy. It loves full sun. It's going to be a really happy plant um, in both poor and rich soil in damp or dry conditions. Ideally, you're just going to... Ideally, can I say that? (laughs) Ideally, you will grow your dill directly from seed rather than from a transplant. So... Do it by scattering the seeds wherever you want it to grow after the last frost and lightly cover the seeds with soil. You don't want to make them too deep. You want the sun to be able to get there and make sure you water it thoroughly. Hopefully you got some sunshine popping out soon and I bet soon you'll also have some dill plants popping up. So, yum. Get ready to do some good pickling. Hopefully you got some good cucumbers growing in your garden as well or other good fun, maybe some asparagus or whatever it is you like to do with dill, know that the next time you're doing it, you're also using herbal medicine at the same time. Yeah. I want to know from you what you're growing. Hit me up on Instagram, shoot me an email, join my Facebook group over at the Facebook groups, The Herbalist Path, and let me know where you're growing in your garden this year. Um, Maybe you pick out one of these because you heard this episode. I would love to know about that. And yeah, if you dig this episode, please do me a favor and share it with your friends, and together we can make herbalism spread like wildflowers. Thanks again, y'all. Have a beautiful day. This has been The Herbalist's Path. Thanks for joining us. Have we piqued your herb curiosity? Are you thirsty for more? Well, then check out the show notes of today's episode for exciting educational opportunities, workshops, and courses. If you'd like to support our mission, please subscribe, rate, and review to help others find us. Together, we can make herbalism hashtag spread like wildflowers. Wishing you all a lovely day. Bye for now. take a quick pause to show some love and gratitude to our sponsors of the Herbalist Path podcast, who make this show possible for me and possible for you too. So here it goes. Medicinal mushrooms are all the rage these days, if you didn't know already. And with great reason, because they are powerful medicine that can improve your health and your life in so many different ways. When they're well made. Yeah, it's true. There's a lot of stuff on the market that isn't going to be so effective. And that's why you need to find a brand that you can actually trust. For me, that brand is Whole Sun Wellness, and this is the creation of a brilliant woman and fellow mama, Jamie Bonfiglio. She's an international mushroom educator that has been working in the medicinal mushroom industry for years. And this is when she saw firsthand how many other companies take shortcuts when it comes to their products. And Jamie wasn't having it. She set out to build her company the right way. Whole Sun Wellness is here to raise the industry standards so those crap mushrooms on the market aren't getting into your body or your family's body. Whole Sun Wellness is the first company to test and report nutritional facts for all of their extracts. They go beyond industry standards every step of the way, from sourcing to extraction and final testing. And as the owners of the largest medicinal mushroom farm in the United States, Wholesun Wellness is taking control of their supply chain for the highest quality and absolute full transparency. They're even the first company to include pure mycelium extract in every single product. So when you're thinking of getting medicinal mushrooms for you and your family, Wholesun Wellness is exactly the ones you want. Also, be sure to check out their new Mycolites. These are the world's first dissolvable electrolyte tablets. They're featuring functional mushroom extracts that'll give you more energy, more stamina, and recovery as well. And who couldn't use all of that? The other thing is, they are these adorable little mushroom-shaped tablets, and they come in like a little Altoids box, but way cooler than Altoids because they're Mycolites. Anyways, head to wholesunwellness.com to grab yourself some Mycolites and all of the other functional medicinal mushrooms that you and your family need. And of course, you can grab that link right here in the show notes now.